the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The information on the show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, CA Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, CA Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. My name is Eric Hallaby. Total Financial Hour. TFS Financial and Insurance Services brings us to you every week at this time. Uh, and we're talking about your family's finances. We try to be a little different than what you hear out there in the uh, square roots, divis- divisors, percentages of what's going on in the market. Because I think that. Uh, I, listen, I know that those people that say that stuff, I get it. I believe that they believe it. I'm not worried about that. But I think that the average person out there is just a little bit concerned about understanding, and nobody wants to bring it up. Uh, a gentleman came into my office last week and said, you know, I, I go to my meet my broker every few months, and every time I sit with him, I always feel stupider than the day before. And I go, what do you mean? So they use big words, and they assume I'm supposed to understand them. And just because I'm a mechanical engineer... And certainly educated doesn't mean I know anything about the financial world. So when you sit down with your financial professional, do they keep it simple and easy to understand? That's the questions to ask. Because I don't think you need to worry about the world of financial products and solutions as if you're going to be working in this field next week. I'll give you an example. Yesterday uh, or uh, a couple of days ago, a client comes in my office, uh, has seven annuities. Okay, there's a purpose for it, maybe. And all of them had income riders associated with them, where there was a fee that was charged. And you ask yourself, well, what is this fee for? And I said, what's the purpose of this money? She said, well, you know, it's a great company. I go, yes, it is. It's an A-rated, A-plus rated. Yep, sure is. Well, the purpose of the money is just to pass on to my kids. I said, well, let's, let's talk about this. How about income? They said, oh, I have an apartment building. I have $2 million in cash. It's a lot of money, guys. $2 million in cash. Uh, no house payment, social security from both of them, and a pension from one of them. I said, so why do you have an income rider where you're paying over $1,000 a month for these accounts? And she said, well, I don't know. The, the broker just put it on. Guys, if you have an income rider and you don't know why, and the income, right, right, so income is the key word, then the purpose for that account better be income. And it better make sense to have to have paid for one, meaning every annuity is an income annuity. It's built into it. It has the features that provide for that. So if you are paying above and beyond that, you better be getting something so amazing and incredible that it better be worth the cost. Otherwise, you're just making either the company or the broker wealthier. Because somebody's making money on this account. 
And there's no reason in the world to pay for something that you can get for free. And so they sat down and, and they said, no, these are to pass on to my two, two kids. I said, well, what about income? They said, we have an apartment building that gives us enough income. That's paid off. We have, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the, the home is paid off. So I said, okay, well, well, what do you think your expenses are each month? They said, well, gosh, uh, I don't know. Oh, by the way, they bring in $10,000 a month net. Okay. I said, what are your expenses each month? Well, you know, we have property taxes, but our home, we've owned it for a while, so the taxes are low, and our car is paid off. But we do have car insurance. And I said, okay, so would you say 5000 a month? No, no, less than that. I said, 3000 a month? Well, that's still probably high, but I guess that's okay. All right, do you understand the reason they have so much money saved, the reason everything is paid off, is because their income isn't an issue. So I'm sharing this with you because if you're somebody who has an account with a broker who is telling you that you need this income account, this income rider, and you have to pay for it, and you can't figure out why that's the case, well, then maybe you should come and see us. Maybe we can help. I don't know if we can, but maybe. Our number is 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. That's how you get a hold of us. 888-997-3847. Okay, so that's just an update on one of the recent clients. What if you are ready to retire abroad? You're trying to say, okay, I'm going to retire in another country. A lot of people do. Sometimes they go back to their home country of where they were originally from, where they might have still relatives or maybe even some, some real estate or business. Sometimes people just read about expat, which is expatriate, meaning people that still are Americans, still are Canadians or British, but they live in an expat community. There's plenty of them throughout Mexico, Costa Rica, um, various places, the Philippines. And you see the expat communities are growing because for seniors that generally have a sense of adventure and folks that like to travel, really the ideal retirement destination often lies outside the United States. So here's who this is a perfect candidate for. Somebody who's generally uh, in a fixed income world, social security and maybe a small pension. So they can exist in the United States in their current situation. They just can't live. Right? You don't want to exist for the rest of your retirement life. You want to live. It's also for people that, let's say, you know, you have a daughter that works in Seattle and a son in Denver and and your, your two uh, twins live down in Dallas and they're working. So really, you could be just about anywhere. Maybe you're just fed up with the politics, the taxation, the one-sidedness in California. This train that's, um, besides the, the literal train to nowhere that's being built, what a boondoggle that is. But the train, the political train, the economic train that California is on, where the tracks are, are laid. There is no question California is destined for some sort of financial ruin, bankruptcy, reorganization, austerity. Something has to happen. It's just a math problem. I'm not a genius, although don't tell my wife because she thinks I am. But for those, it's just a math problem. We have $400 billion plus in pension debt, and that's just with CalSTRS and CalPERS, which are teachers and public employees. Their pensions alone are $400 billion upside down. We have companies leaving at great neck speed. They are leaving, gone. 
Virginia and Texas and Nevada and Arizona. Why do these companies leave? Because it's comforting to stay here because they're making so much money? Or because the workforce is leaving? Right? It's difficult if you say, hey, I'm hiring here in California, and you say, this is what I'm paying, and they say, well, I can't afford to live there. I'll take that pay, but in a different state where the taxes are more reasonable. And now, surprise, another six cents per gallon gas tax. Do you understand? They blow the money in this state. So it doesn't matter how much you give them. It's like an uncle who's a drunk, and you say his only answer is to have more scotch. No, 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 no. Okay, let's not... We don't want to give them scotch. We're going to give them bourbon. That's what we're going to give them. You go, the difference is... So it doesn't matter if they take money from the lotto that was destined for the schools. Right? For example, if there was $100 that was supposed to be given to the schools when the lotto passed decades ago, and it was supposed to give them $20 more, it was supposed to be a $120 budget for the school district. Instead, what the state pigs did is they took the $20 away from the school budget. So instead of 100 the lotto bill passes. The next day, figuratively speaking, they take away the $20, and then they add $20 back from the lotto. And the money they pulled from the school budget before, they just went and spent it on other things. They promised to this union and to that union and to this worker group and that worker group, look, I'm not against unions. I'm certainly not against pensions. But you have to do both sides of it. If I'm going to promise you something, I have to deliver on the other side. I don't just get to promise to get your vote or promise so you'll clap for me at a rally. I want you to clap for me because I created and delivered something that made it work. So a plan that lasts beyond your four years or eight years in office. Governor, mayor, right? These, these folks put themselves in a position to where the pension committee, the folks up in Sacramento and all and the others, are stuck. So you might be somebody who says, listen, I know that they're going to cut my pension. For a lot of you, they will. They're going to promise you 5000 a month. You might even start collecting 5000 a month. And they're going to have to lower it, maybe down to as close to four, maybe even 3500 a month. Oh, if you're just using scare tactics, you're a monger, scaremonger. So, well, um... No, I'm a math teacher. You know, not in a high school or, or junior high school, or whatever, middle school. I'm just a math teacher to our clients. This is how much money's coming in and this is how much is going out. What is that called? Minus. And what do you do with minuses? Where do you come from? Where does it come from? They just tax people. You pass. A grade. Next. You want to retire uh, abroad? Central and South America's low costs, and because it's close to the United States, because you can be on an international plane in no time, for a lot of Americans, certainly Southern Californians, we speak Spanish or certainly understand enough of it. And a lot of, I was at a, staying at a Mexican resort a few years ago, a uh, nice hotel, I think it was in Cabo or someplace, and the waitstaff there, very well-mannered, spoke English better than the waitstaff here in the United States. Very clear, educated, and so we started talking because we would eat at the, at the restaurant for breakfast. We started talking to the lady, bachelor's degree. I said, why are you working in the hotel? She said, because it, it is one of the best paid places to work, and they are very choosy. 
I thought, wow. They attract the right type of people, don't they? People that want to work hard. People that are honest. People that are educated. People that are kind and polite. Imagine that in the service industry. We are now getting a lot of people going far away. Malaysia, Thailand, the Philippines. Even parts of Western Europe, believe it or not. So what you're seeing is parts of Western Europe are now starting to attract people because the difference in the dollar and the euro is very favorable to Americans. So if you are going to vacation this year, consider Europe. Because the euro is what, a dollar, eleven, dollar twelve, or you know, one euro twelve, one euro eleven, something like that. I remember one time I went and it was a, it was one fifty three, I think. And it was expensive. Everything we wanted to buy, we had to times it or divide it by, and it was very expensive to buy. Eight dollars for a cup of coffee. It was very expensive compared to here. And then what you do is you take a look and you say, What if I move to a place like Costa Rica? There's a story recently in Kipling, New Jersey. 2011, this couple moves from Texas to Costa Rica. And they live very comfortably on $2,500 a month. Folks, that's one of your social security checks for a lot of you. They both built a home overlooking a lake. Cost them about $320,000. That includes landscaping. No problem. In Texas, which is certainly less than the United States, it would have cost more than double. Now, he's a retired dentist. They saved enough. They thought it was good. But going to Costa Rica, why would you choose Costa Rica? Simple. People are very friendly. It's the second most educated group, population in the Western Hemisphere after the United States. 98% of the people in Costa Rica are literate. I think the United States is 99, but I don't think they've been to LA Unified Schools some of the seniors graduating come in for job interviews for my companies, and I wait a second. You can't even put together an English sentence and know the difference between texting and the written language. Because texting is the oral language. The written language is different. There's two languages in the United States. And at least in Costa Rica, they value education. Here, you sometimes uh, my, my teacher clients tell me they're glorified babysitters. So I thought, that's pretty amazing. It's very inexpensive to live. The housekeeper charges $14 for a half day. The gardener charges $4.50 an hour. Amazing. So part of this idea, you guys, of living in Portugal or Spain is, number one, I want you to be close to an airport. Right? So you can get back. In case there's an emergency, medical, health care, you need to be close to some good health care. As we get older, you're going to visit the doctor more, not less, generally. As we get older, you may want to return to the United States to visit family or friends or stay for a while. And this is important you do this because in this particular case, you want to be where enough uh, flights go back and forth so that the cost is reasonable, right? You're not somebody who's interested in having to skip around and pay multiple legs of a, of a flight. So this is important you consider this because a lot of what you look at is why you want to move, and that is quality of life. We've already talked about people leaving California. Why do they do that? Because you're taxed on everything. 
I have been in Sacramento. I've sat in meetings where people sit down together and they look to see, okay, when was the last time we taxed marriage licenses? Oh, we haven't for 18 years. Let's tax it. When was the last time we taxed? And they go through. Instead of saying, where can we eliminate tax? Where can we cut uh, expenses? Where can we eliminate jobs that are duplicated or triplicated, as in the case of Caltrans? Lots of duplicate jobs. So I need you to understand that part of this retirement life is to have sources of income outside of Social Security because a lot of you are not going to retire to the Philippines. I get it. You're like, no, I'm here. So how do we protect that? How do we make sure that you're not going to be forced to leave the country? Many of you are already forced to leave the state. So far this year, one out of two of my clients that retire are leaving the state of California when they do so. One out of two. They come in, yeah, we're retiring in three months. Uh, We bought a house in Idaho. We're retiring in four months. We bought a house in Arizona. Or we have our vacation home in Lake Havasu. We're leaving and, and moving there. That's normal, you guys. You've heard me say before, the only thing that will be left in the state to tax is going to be real estate. Surprise, that Measure EE didn't pass. Boy, was that a nice surprise. Measure EE. If it would have passed, and don't expect them to end, they're going to try again another way. They're just going to be a little bit more dramatic. It's for the children. It's for seniors, old people. Who doesn't like old people? I like old people. Raise your hand if you like children. It's for puppy dogs. They'll probably add puppy dogs in there. Maybe they'll get it to pass. Kitty cats, puppy dogs, old people, and children. Now you'll pass the next bill. Listen, if you think you're running around drinking dirty water and clean air, and just drive around and say, is there anything that I am so upset about right now the politicians need to fix? What is it right now? Let's see. I'm driving around. Okay. Sitting at home. Let me go to work this week. Hmm. I'm good. I'm good. There's nothing I need from you guys. Oh, oh, I know. Fix the potholes. You're taxing me four different ways to fix the potholes, and you still haven't done it. So what do I think? You need more money? You know, the Japanese way of doing things in government and in in their agency system, let's see who is the most productive Let's see who does the most with the least amount of money. And those that have money left over get more power and more money for the next year. Whereas in Los Angeles, Southern California, California, the United States, if you mess up, if you say, if you spend all of your money, then you get more money next year because, well, the assumption is you needed more because you've already spent your money. It's the opposite. It's let's see how good you can do with what, what we've given you. Let's see how responsible, responsible you are with somebody else's money. That's an amazing thought process, right? It's different. So we need guaranteed sources of income. So it doesn't matter what happens. We want, we want inflation protection. I want to go up a little bit every year, every couple of years. I want to increase my income. We have that. All without a fee. Oh, Eric, if you don't work for free, no, I do not. Nor do you when you worked or when you were working. But the companies have built in a way to pay all of us. It already exists, you guys, and it has. You don't have to pay an additional fee. That's why those in my industry that, that think the way I do, we sit around and we say, 
it's amazing to me how good of salespeople, these guys that convinced you to pay one and a half percent or one and a quarter to manage your money. All I want you to do is go from the beginning. What did I start with? What do I have? And how much did it cost me to get there? You see, here's the, I don't want to say the trick. I keep saying the trick. I don't know of a better word. Here's the way, the strategy, the thing that they do. They'll say you put in 100000 seven years ago, and today it's worth 120 And I only charge you 1.5% a year. You go, okay, well, I guess that's okay. Not bad, whatever. And what I want you to do is to add up the 1.5% per year every year. Not in percentages, but in dollars. Because you're counting the growth in dollars over the last seven years. Count the cost in dollars over the last seven years. The fees in dollars. And then you decide, yes, it's worth it. Right? Hey, listen, it cost me $10,000. I've made $100. Awesome. I would do two of those. But if it cost you $10,000 and you've made twenty, I'm saying that's probably a problem. Right? You might say, cost me $12,000 and I made twenty. Why do I think that's a good idea? But you see that over and over. People do not add the fees cumulatively, but they do add the profits cumulatively. And usually... They do so because that's the the mindset the brokers or the financial world has convinced you to do it. But just ask, hey, how much did it cost me from day one? Uh, Joe, Mary, Steve, I've been with you for X amount of years. How much did I pay in total cost? Not just your $35 a year fee, total cost. Because maybe there's six or eight or 12 or 15 different fees. There's some accounts that we know of that could have as much as 16 or 17 different fees built into their cost. So when you say, what's the fee, that actually means something. That's one of the numerous potential fees that are inside of there. So ask, what is my total cost to own this account? And they'll say, it's this much. Okay, each year, add it up. And then we'll see, is it worth it or is it not? If it's worth it, fantastic. Do it. Do it again. If it isn't, then maybe we can help. Because our job is to keep some or part of your money safe, to keep you out of the craziness in the market. Because what I don't want you to do is to get to a place to where you're spending more money in fees than you are earning. Now, you might say, oh, that would never happen to me. It happened to two this week. So, of course, it happens. It happens to lots of people all the time. So, keep in mind that the idea is to make sure you are not in a position to go backwards, financially speaking. Right? It just doesn't matter. There's no reason to do that. All right. So uh, what I want to do in the second half of the show is, is to get more details into moving, retiring, even semi-retiring outside of the United States. For a lot of you, California is still your place. But as long as you're here less than six months, right, it's 179 days, and maybe you're somewhere else, whether it's another state or whether you live in uh, another country, right? Maybe that is, that's where you call home and you come back and visit every so often. And maybe you have to for visa requirements, right? Some states, some countries, I should say, allow you to stay there only three months. Then you have to leave for a few days and then you can come back and stay for another three months. So there are things like that that you might say, well, that's a good time for me to come back and visit my friends, visit my family. 
All right, so I'm going to give you some to-do list when we get back. It's going to be exciting because for a lot of you, you thought about this, but you're not sure where to begin. I'll have that for you when we come back. You're listening to me, Arif Hallaby. Give me a call, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 888-997-3847. Okay, that's our phone number. It works all week long. Uh, leave me a message. Certainly, if you have a comment uh, on the show, we get that a lot. Questions, comments, we'll give you a call right back. And during the week, it works directly to my office. Uh, anytime from 8 a.m., sometimes we're there as late as 6 or 7 p.m., and you can always reach out to us. Uh, we have financial seminars that we put on every once in a while. Uh, ask to be on our mailing list or ask to come to some of those, and and uh, we'll see if it's right for you. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. This is the TFS Financial and Insurance Services Total Financial Hour on AM 870. The answer. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour, AM 870, the answer. 888-99-RETIRE, that's 888 888- Nine nine seven three eight four seven. All right, you want to retire abroad, right? That means outside of the United States in a different country. Maybe that's part of your plan all along. Maybe you say I can work another five years and stay here. Maybe, or I'm going to retire now and live outside of the United States. For a lot of Californians, your home has become a big part of your retirement uh, portfolio. It's it's part of your strategy is to sell your home, take the assets, move transfer it, be something like, uh, you know, cash rich, house poor. We've heard those stories. What I don't want you to do is to necessarily pay off the house in the new country if you can afford not to, because rules can change. Now, you might say, well, I have citizenship there or residency. Okay, that's fine. But check before you go. If a non-citizen or a non-resident buys property, they can pass a law. They can change that. It used to be that uh, you couldn't buy in Mexico if you were, I think it was 50 miles from the border or 20 miles you know, from the sea or something. There was border issues in Mexico where you couldn't buy if you were along waterfront. You could rent, but you couldn't buy. It's the same thing in certain parts of other uh, of the world and other places. But by and large, a lot of it is changing because they want American dollars. They want your money. They want you to come and spend it. And they want you to come and put people to work, right? If you're coming with what we call hard currency, which means real dollars, you've got to think about this. Here's one of the ideas. Consider leaving your investments at home. A recent Money Magazine article says, that, listen, uh, you want to be careful with how you spend your money in a new country. They don't have the same regulatory issues like the SEC or FINRA or if you're looking and buying into to pharmaceutical or medical stuff at the FDA. So there could be a lot of issues when you're talking about taking those investments and putting them in your new home country. Consider just leaving them back at home. 
managed finance, uh, keep the bank, a lot of banks, big banks that you can think of, you can still use your credit card abroad. You can still transfer money from your current bank in uh, the United States to a local bank. You can do it online. Some banks, for example, in Costa Rica, are privately owned. Some banks are government-owned. Privately owned is different with the insurance world. Usually higher interest rates, but higher risk. Government banks, lower interest rates, lower risk. So consider how you want to uh, how you want to put your money uh, abroad, but don't put everything in that home country. That's my opinion. When you are traveling, when you are using a credit card, whether it's just for extended vacations, a short trip, or living there, make sure you're using a credit card that does not have that 3% transaction fee. Sometimes I've seen them as low as 1, but usually it's as high as 3. What that means is is to offset for something like currency exchange or currency fluctuations you'll swipe your card you're at $100 in the new country in your uh, new country and then they bill you 103 and then they do the exchange rate so what that means is you're paying $3 just for the transaction 3% is a lot of money but there are some capital one and discover that don't level fees international transaction fees so when I travel, those are the ones I take with me. I don't take my other cards, leave them at home. So that's important you know that because that's a 3% savings right off the bat. And if you're looking at protection and you probably will charge things, uh, if you go out to eat or you go to different places, the, the savings is huge, 3%. Okay, If you're going to spend $40,000 a year, that's 1200 bucks. You live like a king on a, you know, with an extra $100 a month in your pocket, all right? But consider travel awards. Sometimes if you're charging as you go, you may have an annual fee on a credit card. You might say, I'm willing to do that because I get reward points back. There's your ticket back to the United States. You want to visit friends and family? You charge enough, and most of you will because that's the way we, we use currency these days. But when you do so, you now get to get enough points Maybe you come back eh, once a year for free. The Chase Sapphire card, the Bar uh, Barclay card, it's an Arrival Plus World Elite MasterCard. Each of those do not have the foreign transaction fees. They do give you points, but they each have an annual fee, $89 to $95. Okay, that's fine. As long as you're going to need it, you're going to use it. All right, you've heard me talk about it. Now you're going to live abroad. A lot of people, including the Canadian, this is important. I believe he was the governor of a Canadian province or our equivalent of governors. And he came down to the United States for heart surgery because it was, quote, elective. And they said, oh, we'll get to you in a year or six months, whatever it was. You want socialized medicine. For the last 15 and a half years I've been on the radio, you've heard me yell about this Obamacare stuff when it was uh, being debated and then now it's passed. It is beyond crummy. It costs so much more money. It messes things up dramatically. There was so much, uh, so many ways to fix it without doing what they did and they didn't. All right, so what's happened? Now you're going to be stuck. You have to get health insurance. 
in some places, including Medicare, and it doesn't uh, typically go across borders. So while medical costs are often lower in other countries, it's because they don't accept insurance. But there are policies. Lloyd's of London has a great policy. Many companies have a really good health insurance policy for foreign living. And often they are what's called reimbursement. So you still have to write a check or swipe your credit card. Back to my my, my previous point. You swipe your credit card for your transactions, submit the bill to your insurance, and they'll pay you whatever percentage or portion that is uh, agreed upon. And that gives you a really good chance to say, hey, I've got an extra few dollars coming my way. Right? Remember, it's a circle. You can use your health insurance to cover. Maybe the points on your credit card are either for travel or you get cash back. Well, that pays your insurance premiums. Right? Do you follow me? I mean, there's a way to kind of close the circle a little bit and do it correctly. And by the way, you're not doing anything wrong. Companies know that. They just don't think people are going to go to the trouble. And if enough of you do go to the trouble, they'll change it. Okay, that's what they'll do. What about paying taxes? Do you still have to pay taxes overseas uh, if you live overseas? You do. The U.S. is one of the only major countries that bases its taxation on citizenship and not residency. So if you're a citizen of the United States, uh, I'll give you an example. I have a, a relative who moved to Italy decades ago. I want to say 30 years ago plus. Married an Italian man, moved to Italy. Gave up, renounced her U.S. citizenship. And in doing so, no longer pays taxes in the United States. But for a long time, while she was a dual citizen of Italy and and the United States, she paid taxes in the United States, had to do a tax return. And there's a formula. I'm going to encourage you to meet with a, a specialist, not just any CPA, but somebody who understands the foreign taxes. Because there's an exemption, there's usually a little bit you can earn outside of the country, et cetera, before you are taxed here in California or the United States. And I would encourage you, if you're going to do that and you have to have a state of residency, don't make it California. Because California will also charge you taxes on the issue. Okay, so be very careful. Look, for eight years, you heard me talking about people renouncing U.S. citizenship. In fact, uh, when President Obama was elected and the stuff he started doing, Within a few months, we had a 300% increase in people giving up U.S. citizenship. 300%. And how do you have to give up U.S. citizenship? You have to go to a foreign country, you walk into the embassy, and you say, I want to renounce my U.S. citizenship. They said, take a number. And instead of talking to you for a week or you know, come back in four weeks or something, there was turning out to be months and months of a waiting list. And you had to sit there and you had to wait And you had to come in. They did a background check, make sure you weren't wanted. There weren't any outstanding alimony or child support or taxes. And they did it. And there were thousands of people over the course of his presidency, maybe 10,000, that gave up U.S. citizenship. Now, who do you think gave up U.S. citizenship under President Obama? Was it the poor migrant people that just got it? Or was it the wealthier that said, you know, I'm, I'm moving back to Singapore or I'm moving you know, to the back to the Philippines, or I thought this was a place and I'm moving back to France. Yeah, it was the upper middle class because the Obama administration had enacted all sorts of crazy rules. Some of them still exist today. Listen, you don't have to like President Trump. Many people don't. But let me tell you what he's done for the country. He's cleaned up some of these dumb ideas. And people say, well, he's had to fire so many people. Look at all the people that worked for him at one time and he's fired them. 
Well, yes, because that's what you're supposed to do when you don't do your job. It's not a normal government job. When you look at the deep state, folks, the deep state doesn't exist because it's, you know, 10 uh, CIA clandestine agents meeting in some skiff room, you know, in the basement of, of CIA headquarters. That's not who it is. It's your 32-year government employee who says, listen, President, you're out of here in four years, maybe eight. I'm not going to follow your rules. I'm going to slow walk your orders. I'm not going to do this. You've heard me talk about an incident in the state of California when there were two legislators, both of different parties. They were leaders of both parties back in the state of California when you had a reasonable Republican Party. And what they did is they said something very simple. They said, uh, okay, we'll agree. I'll, I'll compromise on this. You compromise on that. We'll get this bill passed. All right. They go back to their staffs and they say, draw it up. And they both said, no, we're not doing this. This is a betrayal to our base. We're not going to put our name on this. We have a career here. There are term limits in the state. You guys are out of here. For those of you that think term limits are a good idea, you just shifted the power from the legislator, i.e. the voter, to where? (laughs) To the government employee who's never going to leave till they get their pension. Of course, not all of them are bad. Don't, Don't think that. But just understand that these are people that are creating a system in place so that they never have to leave. They cement their power. Right? These are very, very big deals. All right, so if you're going to leave the state uh, or the federal government control, you were still subject to an income tax. I want to say it was 25%, but I'm not, I'm not sure if it's changed. And it's a flat rate. Okay. When we talk about traveling, people stay for two weeks, maybe a month to experience something pretty amazing. Nothing wrong with that. I think that's amazing. You go and you live, you excite. It's, it's traveling. It's, it's interesting. You might go from country to country, especially if you're in uh, Europe where it's rather close and it's safe, reasonably speaking. But being a tourist can only work for so long because in most countries, if you stay beyond anywhere from 30 to 90 days, you are requiring a residency visa. So go to the U.S. Embassy, the consulate of that state, of that country, and ask, what do I have to do to, to get residency here? And some countries even roll out the red carpet. They want you to come in. Panama and Ecuador, they offer retirement visas to anyone who can show modest, guaranteed income, such as Social Security. And are you ready for a secret? Panama and Ecuador use the U.S. dollar. There is no local currency. They use the U.S. dollar. They use title companies, escrow companies, and when you're buying property, that are very familiar to you. They are United States companies. Look at their constitution. In many cases, it mirrors the United States. Laws and rules. However, in other countries, there's problems. You can have an issue. Uh, For example, Portugal, a beautiful country, and in my opinion, some of the most amazing people in the world. But try to deal with their Portuguese bureaucracy, the government, and they'll just say it's like it's a living heck. No matter where you're headed, you have to hire a lawyer for everything. And everything is tomorrow. You think you're in some banana republic in Central America. Manana. Everything is about the next day or paying the right person. 
So it's very difficult. It's the reason that Portugal has massive, massive economic problems. So, one of the most beautiful countries in the world, one of the most amazing people, some very, very good food, but they have a government that's corrupt. Local, city, state, county, it doesn't matter. And it takes forever to get through the system. All right, but for a lot of people, it's worth it. You say, listen, I'm willing to slow walk everything as long as they don't kick me out, right? I'm okay as long as I'm willing to be here. It's an amazing place. But please make sure that you set you, you know what the rules are ahead of time. You cannot just go and land in there and think that you're going to be uh, you know arriving in a in a world that's going to welcome you because you're an American. And you know the old adage of the ugly American traveler. Look, if you are retired and traveling is a thing for you, please do it while you still have your knees working in your back. I have seen time and again people take their retirement income and they give it to their their 27-year-old daughter or their 42-year-old son. I know he just got off a divorce. I know he has, you know, child custody issues and you have to pay for his lawyer or not. There's no reason for you to still be paying for those people. Say, go get a job, folks. If you have to rent a room, you have to live with six people in a two-bedroom. Maybe that's the motivation you need to get up off your fanny and go to work. You can work three jobs right now. If you're retired, here's what, here's what some of our retirees do. They work part-time because they don't have a huge pension, very small. They shut it down. So it stopped growing in the 80s or 90s. So they might get 600 a month from that, 2000 a month from Social Security, not enough to really live. Husband, you know, maybe has 2500 a month. And together, with all of their income, they work part-time for four months. It goes 100% into a bank account. After taxes, of course, they save it. And that is their travel budget. Then they go for, like a, like a high school kid, right, on a backpacking trip for the summer. They go for as long as the money runs out. Sometimes it's two weeks, depending on where they go. It's very expensive. Sometimes they can stay and travel through parts of Asia, and they can just keep going, keep going, keep going. In other words, they just never run out of time. Because why? I don't want the sense of adventure to end. It can't. This is your life. Always remember that part of the trick to retiring a little bit richer, a little bit wealthier than you are, you can never save below zero. When people say, oh, I'm going to save money, that's how I'm going to be rich. Look, that's not the key. You can't save below zero. Nobody's going to pay you to eat a hamburger. Nobody's going to pay you to uh, to, to build a backyard. Or, or right, You have to do these things by making money. We once saw, my wife and I were watching this program once years ago where this uh, husband and wife were sharing floss, sharing the toothbrush with the toothpaste. They only squeezed it once. Today I get to use the toothpaste first and then you. It's really gross. They use the same uh, everything, same shaver, disposable shaver, same antiperspirant, everything. Why? Because they were trying to save money. Wow. With all of the energy and time, what if you just worked? What if you invented something? What if you created something, worked from home? There's a lot of things that you can do.
All right, I want to finish up here with crime because that's an important part of this conversation. We're seeing it more and more with the stuff happening down in the Dominican Republic, which I would have told you is a beautiful place to visit as long as you stayed in the Punta Cana region. It's one of the most poor countries in the world and very dangerous if you get outside of the of the resort areas. It just is. Look at the statistics. But today, the drug cartels, the violence that happens in the Yucatan Peninsula, which is basically Cozumel, that area, is, is off the charts. It used to be, I don't know if this is public knowledge, but it is now, it used to be that if you own the resorts, if you were the big companies that own the resorts, if you manage the resorts, you actually paid the drug cartels to stay away from your hotels, the, the hotel region, the area. Somehow they paid them, they kept them away. And then, what was it, Cabo, I think, they, or uh, Cosimo, Cancun? I think it was Cancun. They found 12 heads in a duffel bag in between two hotels a few years back. And you say, uh-oh, somebody crossed the line. Because there began a drug cartel war between, each, between themselves, and they were going after people. Sometimes citizens of other places, visitors, tourists, would get in caught, uh, caught in the crossfire. So be very careful. Listen, a lot of people go down to Rosarito Beach, south of Tijuana. Nothing wrong with that. It's, it's valuable. It's beautiful. They'll go down to Tijuana, and even in Tijuana, there's some great areas to live or to visit. But if you don't know ahead of time, it is not the place for you to go and play pretend. Because one wrong turn down a driveway or, or down a, a side road that you think is a side road can really lead to problems. So I need you to be very careful if you're going to go to certain places in Mexico or Central America. Any place, of course, Spain, uh, Portugal, Italy, France, they're all the same, right? You just use your head. There's crime here. There's crime down the street from you. But I think with the homeless crisis getting worse, they're going to find ways to tax and to go after you because you're the one with the money. And if you don't have money, then fine. They won't go after you. But if people do have money, California has become a symbol with everything wrong with the economic uh, socialist idea and the Democrat Party and the Progressive Party. It's a glaring example. And if you ever look at companies or counties or cities or organizations that go bankrupt, it's a very slow process. You can point to, to bad decisions that they're making along the way, but it's a slow process, and then it's all of a sudden. It's very rapidly. Like when Orange County filed bankruptcy, everything was fine until it wasn't. When Rhode Island or Stockton, California or San Bernardino, the city of Mammoth Lakes, when all of these places had to file bankruptcy, they go back to the employees, the pension system, and they say, hey, hey, we're sorry. We're going to have to make some changes. When the state of California has 50%, 50% of its budget goes to education, and still they can't get out of their own way, still they graduate people in record numbers that can't read or write. Still, you have disruptive kids in schools. 
and they have magnet schools and charter schools and and now they outlaw charter schools because we don't want your kid to be different or separate or actually get get ahead. If they gave you voucher, I had to homeschool my kids. So I had to pay property taxes and homeschool my kids. They never stepped foot in a public school. And we had to do that. Why? Because I said, look, I, I didn't want my kids coming home with four hours worth of homework because that's what they do. They try to convince you that with honors classes, four hours of homework is the right thing. I'm like, so what were they doing all day? You had seven or eight hours at school. So you come home. I come home from work. I want to enjoy my children. And instead, they're doing homework. I want them to learn a musical instrument. And instead, they're doing homework. What were they doing all day? So what's happened is it's become this caged atmosphere. Bell ring, stand up. Bell ring, sit down. Bell ring, go to work. Go, you know, go do your work. Bell ring, go get lunch. Bell ring, come back to lunch. And it's this circle. And that's the people that you're paying taxes to keep re- reinforcing that system. So please be careful. I don't know where you're going to end up in retirement. I want you to enjoy it. But if you want guaranteed sources of income, so no matter where you are, the income comes in. In the mountains of Costa Rica, in the beaches of Mexico, in the hills of, the, uh, of Portugal or Spain, it doesn't matter. There's amazing places to live. Right here in Southern California, guaranteed sources of income, that's what we do. We work on making sure you don't run out of money. We work on, on uh, building a, a strategy, if you will, that keeps you from going broke. That's our job. I'm Arif Hallaby at the Total Financial Solutions radio station, radio show, and I am 870 The Answer. TFS Financial and Insurance Services comes to you every week at this time. 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. You go and have a wonderful weekend. My name is Arif Hallaby on AM870 The Answer. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.